Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here. Just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly. That's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I am hopping mad and I want something in the middle. Aha! Yep, absolutely. Yep, 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 absolutely. Monkey tennis? Bring, bring. There's a new chat in town. I had the last laugh. Dan! Monkey tennis? Little pierce my foot on his thigh. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. No. Monkey tennis? Radical. Awesome. Mega. <laughs> Monkey tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. Okay. Monkey tennis? Edmunds is a total wasp of a guy. Yes, 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 and yes. It's hotter than the sun. I said, who the hell is that? <laughs> this is great banter. Yeah. Back of the net. Monkey tennis? The people who enjoy Alan Partridge will enjoy this podcast. The people who've never got it still won't get it. Hello, friends and fans of Partridge, and welcome again to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast, where we're working our way through Alan's own podcast on the Oast House Series 2. I'm Adam Brooks, and I'm joined by Tom Dark. Bang, crash, piss, wobble. Nick Older. Today we're going wild swimming. And Tom Stab. For some people, mental health is nothing to do with how good your house is. <laughs> so uh, yes, today we will be tackling episodes 5 and 6 of From the Oast House Series 2 Namely Tynum and Wild Swimming um, But we also like to start each episode with a little look at some of the promo trail around From the Oast House um, There's been lots of uh, Alan and Steve Coogan tidbits uh, out there in the world And uh, today's are uh, from Audible and Nick is going to be telling us a bit about them 
Yes, we have uh, two uh, pieces of content which we're going to play in. The first one is a kind of quick-fire um, interview um, with with Alan on his. Um, well, is it the host house? I don't know. He's in a field. He's by a. He's he's on a kind of stile or a fence. Um, and yeah, it's just a, a kind of quick-fire uh, interview uh, which we're going to drop in now. Who are you? Partridge. What you been doing? Lots. Got some opinions? Yeah. Happy? Yeah. Dog? Dead. Thanks. Bye. For a slightly extended version of this, tune into my podcast. There we go. So, um, yeah, nice and nice and brief. Short, short Quick fire form, is the definition. Yeah, short form social content. You don't learn much, do you, apart from the fact that Seldom's died, which obviously those of us at Stratagem are already well aware of anyway. And that did feature in this time as well, because that's yeah. why he's yes. uh, getting the, the, the kind of the robot dog episode. And if you saw um, Stratagem live as well. Yeah. Um, yes. What what I quite like about this is that it's obviously it's very very short, much like the the first clip that went live on socials to promote this, which suggests to me they basically had about an hour with Coogan, and it's like what can we get? <laughs> yeah, rin- absolutely rinse him. Um, right, let's play in the um, second piece, which uh, is a little bit longer, and I guess it's a kind of um, a sort of riff on the uh, sort of ads that you see from banks these days. It's a kind of uh, well, it's a sort of a poem, almost, um, from Alan. Um, but let's play it in and see what we think. Gather round, people. Pull up a pew for marketing content about season two. It's a rhyming advert, an idea I got thanks to building societies and high street banks. I'm a people chap. I'm relatable, me, with a regional accent and a mug of tea. It's a second series. The format's not tired. Listen now. Subscription required. I'm off to the garden to dig up some worms. See audible.co.uk for terms. Yeah, so he, he mentions that it's uh, it's inspired by banks and building societies. I think particularly uh, nationwide are the repeat offenders here in terms of uh, employing uh, sort of comedic slash, well, in inverted commas, comedic uh, rhymes for uh, a lot of their adverts lately. Um, is it worth? I think it's worth mentioning that a couple of us here at Monkey Tennis have attempted uh, the same trick uh, for our podcast that Alan has attempted for the Ace House. Um, Tom, would you like to go first, or yeah, should I? Uh... Um, I'm, I'm happy to go first. Yeah, we thought this might be a bit of fun to have a go at our own, but I, I do think I did think this being an audible advert, basically mocking this advertising trope, was a very inspired choice. And also, I think it's worth noting, friend of the show, John Robbins, uh, he has done some good riffs about this kind of advertising trope on his five live show as well, where he's done some intros to their show very much in this vein. Um, and yeah, he's basically like, yeah, you just get a rhyming dictionary and just work it out. It's easily done. Uh, but let's see whether it really is easily done. Uh, I'll, I'll get started with mine. <clears throat> Gather round people, take seats on the terrace as we begin with new monkey tennis. It's staggering to say it's series 14. So if you're new here, where have you been? The whole gang is here, Adam, Tom, Nick and Tom, all ready to appraise the work of Mr. Stephen Cougon. (laughs) So this goes out to you, the podcast listeners, but probably not so much to the comedy commissioners. Rhymes like this are often found in ads saying that Britain is great, whereas our main inspiration today has been a new, sexy Alan awkwardly sat on a gate. So if you've liked this poem, dear listeners, then we have one addendum. Please don't be like the bitter bastards down in London. And feel free to buy us a coffee over on ko-fi.com uh, forward slash monkey tennis. Thanks. <laughs> very nice. Very, very good, good, Tom. Uh, I'm, uh, Thank I, you very I, much. 
I would say there's there's really only one bit of content that it has in common with my attempts as well, but um, it'll become apparent, I think. Oh, so, I wonder uh, what that might be. Yeah, <laughs> here, we here we go. What do you get if you combine Partridge Keenness with the audio twin of Will from The Inbetweeners? A man who can't tell between a pint glass and leg, a producer whose diet's just Lucasade and egg, a co-host who once outed his child-loving teacher, one with chance to kill or maim Edmonds that chose to do neither, wasting hours of your lives discussing Norwich's greatest, from hospital radio to his podcasting latest, and charting his loves, Carol, Sonia, Angela, etc., and his rivalries from Dave Clifton to his old school lecturer. If you enjoy it enough to donate a few pennies, ko-fi.com slash monkey tennis <laughs> very good superb absolutely very, brilliant very good now if both of those aren't worth a few quid on Kofi I don't know what is so <laughs> dig deep listeners dig deep I do like that that was a conclusion of both of our poems as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just scrou- scrounging for cash basically yeah. Um, if you've been inspired by the hackneyed trope of using uh, gentle <laughs> rhymes, uh, a la Building Society's uh, Audible or our own efforts, then uh, please do send in your own attempts to uh, the Monkey Tennis hotline 07923 We'd love to hear from your attempts and uh, perhaps include them on a future episode. Uh, but right now, enough uh, titter and waffle. Uh, let's get into the meat of today's episode uh, with episode five from the Oast House or chapter five. Tynum. Uh, I believe Stab, Tom Stab has the synopsis for this one. I do indeed. Chapter 5. Uh, Tynum. Alan visits a living museum to remember a time when sacrifice mattered. Well, Brilliant. I will. So, kick, <laughs> I thought I'm happy to kick this uh, episode off because I was chuckling because um, it opens up at uh, 3 a.m. Alan's up uh, nice and early. And I would say that I was also up at 5 a.m. Uh, listening to this and making notes this morning. Um, so uh, this, this really kind of chimed with me. This, uh, this quite episode. literally, why, why quite that, literally <laughs> up with the partridge. Yeah. 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 Why, why is that, Nick? Why were you up so early? I don't think the people need to know. <laughs> I, I, I was up exceptionally early. Just also, cram- you cramming, messaged cramming say- and revising. You messaged us saying you were up at 6 a.m. Which one is it? Uh, it was it was early. It was early. Are, are you bending the truth or a kind of well, dramatic effect? It was, it was more that I didn't want to. I I feel like we're, we're going off 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 off. Uh, you brought it up. <laughs> well, no, no. But you're saying is it five? Is it six? I didn't want to send a WhatsApp in the hour of five because I feel like yeah. that is a no go. Um, I didn't know, not everyone has their phone on silent. Yeah, just didn't want to send a message. So I I messaged within what I thought was a socially acceptable hour. Um, obviously, some of you have children. You're up early, but I didn't want to wait. Be the very considerable for waking up very considerate um now can i just start off with a a tally here so we have decided we're going to keep tallies on uh grant shapp's mentions and the amount of times alan is actually in the oast house i do believe alan is coming to us from the oast house at the very top of this episode so i think that puts us on three for shapps one for oast well actually uh i was thinking about this last night and we were just at this point yeah. yeah 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 i was thinking about a previous episode that we covered where alan is uh What's he doing when Rosa shouts up to him? He's doing the oh when he's reading when he's reading yeah when he's reading oh you're reading in the Oast House you're reading your book again mm. so yeah he must have been in the Oast House then that dawned on me that was actually that dawned on me in the shower this morning <laughs> was that at six a.m. as well <laughs> <laughs> no it was five okay so the tallies are Shaps three Oast two <laughs> great. <laughs> So yeah, uh, Alan. Alan's up at three a.m. making a cup of tea. He's very peculiar about his particular about his milk, I should say. Um, I I did look at, at the the sort of the distance between um, uh, Norwich and Tynham. It's it's five hours or five and a bit hours. So he's setting off at, at three a.m. to get there at eight in the morning. 
Why? Uh, I, I that that I don't know. But what I would say, and this was quite unexpected, um, because I feel like Tynum is not a subject that gets talked about very often. But um, I did go on holiday last year to Tynum. Um, oh, so wow! Okay, I, I, I have I have been there. I have visited. So uh, as as we go throughout the episode, I'll pepper my unique insight that you could only get from having visited <laughs> there in roughly the last year. Nick's unique insight. We should get yeah. a jingle made for that. Had anyone um, heard of Tynum before? No, well, I had no. Yeah. Well, yeah. Obviously, you had. But... Adsy. Uh, I mean, no. But if you'd said, "Do you believe it's a town?" I would have said, "Yeah, I'm sure." I've mentioned <laughs> it at some point. I mean, I had heard of other places that were basically. You've heard of other places? Uh, what London? <laughs> there's more to that. There's more to that. Um, places that have basically become almost like ghost villages, ghost towns, and then like become uh, just MOD use. Yeah. Locations. See, I did. I, I guess yeah. uh, what, what I what I what I actually meant really was had you heard of towns being evacuated for the war effort which i honestly yes. had not i had not uh, i hadn't but there, I, I had heard of other similar examples to this where sort of a wealthy landowner owns a whole village and has preserved it for example clavelli in devon is another example of that the whole town is, is owned, owned lovely, by one person um, yes, so uh, yeah, you can go to Tynum uh, and be on a mission as Alan is back to 1943 when Britain was still great. And is the reason that he's gone back to 1943 or wants to go back to 1943 because he's a bit he's cheesed off his words with with modern Britain. Yeah, and his he, example he's of that off for the present day, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and his main example of that is <laughs> oh, the hospital pain display <laughs> yeah. incident. Yeah. Well, um, he's, he starts off by calling it a hospital car park. Yes, true. Yeah, true. it's <laughs> more of a uh, more of a, a private clinic, isn't it? And this is the <laughs> this is the first hint of, I guess, a reveal that comes uh, yeah. in in another episode, doesn't it? I think this is this is another narrative thing that's spread over a few episodes of, of O's House. I mean, I think we do we do get the full reveal about the uh, procedure at the end of this episode, yeah. of course. But um, yeah, I, I think I, I was wondering maybe is he up at three and driving so early because perhaps. He's so cheesed off he can't sleep, so he's just got. Mm. He's just decided to get up and go. But um, yeah, he's cheesed off for the present day because uh, because of the dunderheadedness of the ticket inspector. Who, to be fair, I think was being a complete job's worth. I'm actually. I completely agree. One. Yes. Yeah. I'm, so he I'm wouldn't let him on... use remaining time on someone else's ticket as well. I'm absolutely on Alan's side, and I uh, I also thought that this is bringing Alan a little bit more into uh, Tommy Saxondale's lane. Um, in the case of someone who's got a genuine grievance going about it, you know, going about it in quite a funny way. And, and we're, we're sort of on his side for this, I think. Mm, uh, yeah. Yes, and, until he decides to uh, gob on a wall. I, I can't <laughs> public, public spitting. Which didn't feel very Alan, to be fair, but um, I did like that he uh, like wound out the window, turned the radio on, and it was Melvin Bragg on Radio 4. <laughs> that was yeah, that, that was fun. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's his idea of giving someone an earful. I don't, yeah, I don't think he, he hasn't grasped the concept of an earful, has he? It has to be an earful of abuse from your mouth, not an earful of Melvin Bragg on Radio 4. <laughs> Talking about the Enlightenment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the thing about gobbing, that's obviously him trying to just be cool and give it some attitude, which reminds me a bit of the uh, the school talk episode in Oast House Series 1, where I think, um, doesn't he spit out chewing gum or something like that? Yeah. And I'm also thinking, oh, I may have uh, <laughs> be misremembering this, but is there not an interaction he has with uh, a road worker in one of the books where he basically won't turn the sign round to go? And I think he's listening to like Radio 4 or something like that. Right. Again, a bit of a thing about a job's worth and having to deal with basically the working public. But I, yeah, I've, I've not done my research. I can't remember exactly what that is, but it did remind me of that a little bit. 
he's also uh, very disparaging about the, the the public and does a similar thing to some previous episodes where he is sort of generalizing but there is a kernel of truth to it mm. when he says that um pay and display staff are unlikely to listen to podcasts especially those behind a paywall yes yeah. which i also think is a nice bonus dig at audible as well yeah. about the fact that it yeah. is behind a paywall enjoyable yeah. <laughs> was anyone else surprised that Alan drinks ginger kombucha? <laughs> much, much like we said, doesn't much what we said doesn't he seem to sort of dress a bit smartly, more smart than you would hope Alan would dress? I feel like ginger kombucha is also a step into the future that I wouldn't have thought Partridge would take. Yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about it, but I, I think I agree that seems a bit too modern and trendy for the Alan that we know, mm. doesn't it? Mm. Mm. Um, but I do like that he then suggests it could be a porn star name before then going, oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it time to talk about the uh, the amount of drink driving that Alan feels is acceptable? Well, quickly, before that, though, did did anybody make a note of Alan is singing to himself before, before he gets into that bit? So b- before he reveals that it's 5am, uh, he's been on the road and feeling giddy, and then we'll get into the drinking thing, mm-hmm. he's singing to himself, there is a woman at a gate... Staring yeah. as I drive my car past. Um, I just thought that's just, I don't know. I'm not sure what to make of the, these little bits where he goes off like that. And I almost wonder, um, which is something we will discuss, is is he deliberately placing in Alan singing and being musical more because they want to allude to that being a thing Alan does to tee up future projects, I wonder. Uh, yes, I expect so. And mm. I think when we talk about some of... Uh, Coogan on the promo trail. Yeah, I think a little more light is shone on Alan's potential musical future. Yeah, because obviously that's different to the kind of songs that we get at the end of some of these episodes in this series. It's kind of him singing off the cuff, uh, which which happens at other points as well. Yeah, just sort of oh, interesting. Oh, oh, although uh, with that, I don't know that there is a feature length single in. I'm in a good mood. I say I buy that, and also short songs. That's what the kids like these days. So. Work. Get it on TikTok. Job done. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, the the answer to uh, the acceptable level of drink driving is two pints in a built-up area, or three and a glass of wine if you're in the country. <laughs> Which sadly, I think is is something that a lot of people do take as gospel. Yeah, I think the country one, uh, especially. I don't want to generalise, but yeah, I mean, statistically, you're going to be fine, right? So you know, why not have a glass of wine by the road? I mean, I'm not. I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying. I think people would would think that. But Nick, not you. Drinkaware.co.uk older. <laughs> um, did anybody note the two things that, in Alan's eyes, make Norwich a progressive town or city? Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, it has a gay bar, and I've forgotten the other one. Yeah, uh, I, I can give you the full quote. It, oh yeah, go uh, for Nor- it. Norwich uh, is progressive with everything from Wi-Fi to a gay bar. So that's encompassed. Everything is encompassed between those two things. Yeah, I would wager that Norwich has more than one gay bar as well. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably fair. But obviously, it's also fair that Alan wouldn't know that he's oh, got. There's one gay bar. It's a tick. It's progressive. Well, he does. One of his other things on his bucket list is that he wants to kiss a guy. Yeah. So yeah, he only needs one gay bar for that though. Fair point. <laughs> um, Nick, do you want to uh, do you want to give us some Tynum facts? Because I think at this point, Alan is basically now in Tynum. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, some unique insight that I was planning on peppering throughout. Um, I'll, I'll start with this little uh, teaser. The road to Tynum is a nightmare. Single track roads, so passing is really tedious, uh, especially if you're in that wider car, that longer car, or if you're thinking of going there with a caravan. Um, so my advice would be get there early, avoid rush hour, and um, put your wing mirrors in. So in summary, Hearst limousine or camper, find somewhere else. Yep. And also do actually leave at 3am, that's good advice. Yeah, pop a ginger kombucha in the car and uh, you'll be fine. (laughs) Just don't have a glass of wine, for God's sake. (laughs) Tynum facts. Facts about Tynum. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Another one of those later. (laughs) Is is this the first appearance of Gubsy, Dan Gubbins? (laughs) (laughs) He will laugh at that, to be fair. Who, uh, who <laughs> yes, Alan's, uh, Alan's borrowed a bell tent, but it didn't come with enough pegs. I wondered if he'd done that to uh, attempt to take the grandchildren camping, uh, but maybe that's an overreach. Aww. I can't see Alan in the bell tent either. I mean... Well, oh, look, we, we know we're, Alan's we're... got bad form with camping when it, uh, <laughs> looking at Nomad, so it's not oh, going to yeah. end well. Well, that's not his fault. He was given a Buzz Lightyear tent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he's uh, he's professing his love of Dorset, isn't he? At this point, saying that it's home to Thomas Hardy, whereas Cornwall, which most people prefer, <laughs> is just pirates. Yeah. So uh, I I did a small amount of digging. Uh, just some of the famous sons and daughters of Cornwall here for you: um, Aphex Twin, Roger Taylor from Queen, Mick Fleetwood of Fleetwood Mac, John Nettles, Christine Scott Thomas, Philip Schofield. Uh, towards the end of the queue there, uh, Rick Stein, <laughs> Morwenna Banks, Jethro, and William Golding, author of Lord of the Flies, all from Cornwall. So uh, Alan's bang wrong as we uh, no uh, pirates. Already. Um, do, after this, uh, do we get Alan being a bit gypsy fixated again? Very we common, do, yes. common trope. Uh, Alan being a bit gypsy obsessed. Shortly after pronouncing it Nazis once more. Uh, yep, yep. That's that's a yeah, yeah, he Yeah, he just he does love a bashing of the gypsy community, doesn't he? He's. Um, I think. I mean, that's been a consistent through line since the nineties. So. Yeah, you know, he's, the, he's the Daily consistent. Mail reader in him, I'm sure. Yeah. He's talking about how if, if if budget allows, he'd like to play shares, gypsies, tramps, and thieves at the end of the episode. Uh, two points on that. Firstly, that song is a banger. Second, I'm pretty sure they used that. The Gibbons used that to end an episode of Witchfinder as well. So we have had gypsies, tramps, and thieves at the end of ah, something nice. prior Ooh, to yeah. this. Yeah, that's good. I th- that's good. I think, I'm pretty sure it was Witchfinder. If it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't this time, was it? Because that didn't have like that didn't have commercial music on the outros. Tell you what, we should uh, we should play that out at the we should play that at the end if we uh, if we can afford it, if the budget allows. <laughs> we'll, budget we'll speak allows. to Acast. Yeah. I mean, we're not behind a paywall, so it could go either way. <laughs> uh, I liked uh, the bit where Alan is talking about what Norwich might be like if Norwich had to evacuate, and he kind of like sort of uh, he ends up sort of confusing himself and starts to- comparing it to uh, Israel but I thought that this kind of um, put us in a moment in time because he then he then goes on to list things that you can't talk about which include uh, abortion trans rights uh, and Spotify which felt like the kind of um, peak of when Spotify was in hot water at the beginning of this year over their kind of uh, coronavirus 19 um, <laughs> debacle um, so I thought that kind of you know helped date I- some of the writing perhaps I wonder if there's an alternate read of that, which is that these are things that Audible has told yeah. him he can't talk about, and Spotify is a, is is a, is a yeah. main it, rival. It's specifically that's that's what he says. Um, uh, the he says, "Damn it, Israel is the one topic they asked me not to discuss: that and abortion <laughs> and trans rights and Spotify." So yeah, it's those are Audible's ah, okay. uh, criteria, not not just the nice. general. You can't talk about those things these days. Although 
It's a good reading. Should we talk about supper clubs? <laughs> <laughs> Only if it's dining in the dark with Daniel. Oh, can I accept? I absolutely love this little segment. Yeah, this, this is really kind of great. Advert, I really liked yeah. it. Yeah. Well, actually, I guess it's not. It's not an advert. It's kind of like a recommendation section, isn't it? Yeah, yes. although Alan's only recommending one of the two yeah. that he talks about, I think. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons I love it the most. It's, uh, I mean, we'll talk about uh, Dining in the Dark with Daniel, and then you've got Jasmine and Bryony's Squiffy Suppers. Um, sh- should we do Daniel first? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, so he's worked for short periods in many top London restaurants <laughs> before being swiftly moved on. Uh, but he... So, but you don't need to worry. He's had a full CRB check, and anyway, he's married. Uh, yeah, uh, I think. Oh, actually, the quote is: "There's absolutely nothing to worry about, but try to not come alone." <laughs> That's Isn't it? Try, and it try, try not. I thought it was try not to cover up as well. I'm sure at the end he says try not to cover up. Um, but yeah, e- either way would would not be. I think. In I the think dark. the point is you'd be recommended to cover up based on a yeah based yeah. on all the information we have. E- either way, it's a slightly grabby. Uh, supper club in the dark isn't it I feel like that's a yeah I, I've accidentally you know touched you but my excuse is it's very very dark um, but yeah it, it, it wouldn't be for me also could you imagine coming alone to that uh, I'd like to book a table for one at Dining in the Dark Dining in the Dark <laughs> no thanks uh, and equally bad yeah is Jasmine and Bryony's um, Squiffy Squiffy Suppers yeah this this also sounds just bad doesn't it what, what anyone, I, anyone that self-describes as having an infectious personality is up to a bad start. Their words. But what yeah. I really like about this, about I mean, obviously, quality of cooking nosedives after the first couple of pieces. <laughs> and I just thought the icing on the cake of this segment, the way that Alan wraps up that bit saying, overall, not for me, but other people seem to like it. So basically, if this were an advert, it's failed. And if this is a recommendation section, it's failed. The only thing it hasn't failed at is making me laugh. Yeah. I do like the fact uh, so, like she becomes maudlin at the, by the time the dessert comes around. Yeah, this had this had the real stink of uh, a bad episode of Come Dine with Me on it. Yeah. I thought mm. Brian, Jasmine, mm. and Brian. Uh, quick question to the group: Which of these dinner parties would you rather be at? I think for me, Jasmine and Brian edge it, but yeah. only just. Oh yes. yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it could it could ultimately be fun, but you wouldn't want to pay money to it. But it so it it's a monkey tennis night out at Jasmine and Brian's. Also, is, it, yeah, is there a, is there a joke in here that he's saying that supper clubs have never been more popular, whereas maybe they were a thing like 10, 15 years ago, and now they're not really a thing anymore? Yep, entirely fair. Uh, yeah. Unless unless they were a thing in London, but now they are more of a thing in the uh, other areas of the country, maybe. I don't know. I just thought maybe that's another level to the gag as well. I think I take Phil and Bernie or Pete and Bernie's philosophical steakhouse <laughs> over either of these. <laughs> All right, the next note I've got is uh, it's quite a specific thing about a line that Alan says here. When uh, when he arrives in Tynum and he's kind of looking around and he says, everything's here apart from people. It has a very haunting air. Now, I don't know what you guys made of that, but I thought there was quite, it felt to me like there's quite a deliberate nod back to kind of familiar old Partridge lines. They could have easily gone for very haunting quality. That's mm. almost what I was expecting to be the next word. And there's such a pregnant pause before it. It felt to me a bit like they're almost diverting you towards that to make you maybe expect it. It's possibly reading too much into it, but I do think with Coogan and the Gibbons writing, a lot of the words are chosen very specifically, and I think they know when they're referencing previous Partridge work that exists. So, yeah, I just thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, there's a bit here about uh, 
Ukrainians uh, <laughs> and about sort of people's willingness to take in Ukrainians as opposed to Syrians, which I think is a, a good point well made, but also allows uh, Alan to elaborate a little bit on the Sonia years um, by saying that it was, it was a tough time, but it's a tougher time for him. Um, and, and, and that also that uh, that union was based on mutual respect. Uh, and let's be honest, no holds barred animal attraction. <laughs> and then he's off into his imagination after that, isn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. basically he's never had sex that good since Sonia, has he? Yeah. From from the way he describes this, the yeah. lucky lucky lady. <laughs> yeah. The um the Syrians bit, uh, the Ukrainian Syrian bit, I thought was very good. Uh, not sure why it can't be the way they look. That's very good. He doesn't really Can need it? to go further into Can that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, at one point he also spots a plane going to, into Bournemouth airport no idea why <laughs> Which I enjoyed that a lot as well and is it no idea why because it's full of old people that's right yeah it was either Bournemouth or the plane but I think he means Bournemouth and also at this point Alan is old the character Alan is in his mid 60s so I think he should also qualify as a he'd fit right in as a Bournemouth resident at this point um, he also describes something as being as useless as a chocolate fire guard. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd always thought the phrase there was chocolate teapot, um, fire guard, I didn't think was a thing. But I did go to Google Trends to check this. Teapot is twice as popular, but there are results for both. Uh, so I guess fire guard is a thing, but teapot is, is the dominant uh, metaphor. So the ones that I've heard are chocolate teapot, chocolate kettle uh, and chocolate dildo. <laughs> <laughs> Says a lot about the company you keep, Tom. Yeah, fair. Um, just, uh, just skipping back slightly as well. Um, there, I thought there was quite an interesting imagination-based tangent uh, after he's seen the uh, plane going to Bournemouth Airport, um, when he's has this kind of imagined scenario of the uh, the residents in 1943 not knowing what the sound was, a civil engineer explaining the sound uh, to a woman next to him, and then he'd grab her around the waist and say, come on, let's get you a shandy, different times. <laughs> and I just love the fact, he's, you know, again, this happens a lot in this series. There, there's a full-on kind of fictional scenario playing out in his mind, and he gives you a little insight into, like, a scene that's playing out. I like his little crisis of confidence where he's sort of questioning whether what he's talking about is boring as well. He's like, was that boring? No, no, I don't think think it was. Do I? No, 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 I don't, no. Uh, Nick, can I ask you a question about Tynum? Tynum facts, facts about Tynum. Yeah, uh, he talks about the phone box being cream with red doors. Can you confirm? Um, I thought you were going to ask me about the pen display parking. Um, All right, I hope you're out here. I can confirm because I've literally Googled it and looked at photos. Yeah, that is a real thing. The phone box. I don't know. Hang on, I've got a note here. Yep. Yeah, that is. Tynum facts. Facts about Tynum. I've also got some notes about paying display parking. I don't know if you want to hear that. Does anybody. um, No, I've got no questions about that personally. Fine, fine. (laughs) Just thought listeners might be keen. Um, Phone boxes, though, is worthy of a bit more discussion. yeah, the bit when he's talking about the fact that phone boxes used to be full of what he calls prostitute cards. And then you have this line when he's saying, Madam such and such, do whatever Miss Thingamajig, lady, lady what do you call it, piddle on my so-and-so. Does that remind <laughs> anybody of anything else? Uh, yes, yeah. uh, it's definitely, we've definitely had it similar in Partridge before, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, so I, it's, for me, it really was uh, when he's talking about rude graffiti to Sophie in I'm Alan Partridge Series 1, uh, one. he says, touch my this, suck my such and such, something, <laughs> something all over all my, whatever, my whatever, my penis is so and so. Great. 
Um, he then sort of slips into this kind of Radio 4, the Archers style radio play, doesn't he? About the MOD yeah. taking over the town, mm. which lost me a bit. I sort of uh, wasn't wasn't wild on this. Yeah, uh, hard agree on that. I think this felt quite weird because obviously we know that Steve Coogan is a very talented voice artist, but since when is Alan? So this took me out of it completely, to be honest. Like It felt like it's just Coogan doing a riff to show off his accent talents. It did, didn't really fit the character um, or progress the narrative. or And it also wasn't even funny. Mm. So it kind of felt like it didn't achieve anything. And it goes on for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I skip pretty much to the bit where he's uh, talking about um, when people were whinging about COVID and say, what happened to the Blitz spirit? Um, and him reminding everybody that crime went up, murder <laughs> went up, and looting went up during the Blitz. Yeah. Yeah, a fact um, that pro Brexit things were better when they used to be flag shaggers. Completely forget forget to uh, to consider pricks a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when when the, when the flag shaggers are all like, oh, don't worry about the energy crisis. There used to be ice on my windows when I grew up in the sixties. It's like that's not good. <laughs> yeah. Don't celebrate that. Um, so I think at this point, Alan has spotted a man in the distance, right? So he's walking in the opposite direction. Uh, and he's starting to wonder whether he's actually allowed to be there. So uh, I, I know technically it's an MOD site, but it's not Chernobyl. But I, I did think this meanders a little bit. This kind of he sees a man, he gets worried, he goes into. I, I think that some of this is just a narrative setup that allows him to hide and for a child to kind of find him. I, I kind of felt mm-hmm. at the point that you get that exchange between Maureen and uh, the postman thing. This. This middle section until he gets in the cupboard is a little bit like, huh? Um, it picks up again when he gets into the school, but but it, it it's a bit all over the shop until then. Well, interestingly, uh, when Alan mentions Chernobyl, actually, there's a link between Monkey Tennis and Chernobyl. I believe producer Jed has indeed visited Chernobyl. So um, in much the same way that we have our 60-second movie and book reviews, <laughs> let's have Jed's 60-second review of Chernobyl. Hello everyone, Jed here. Here's my one minute travel review. Yes, I have been to Chernobyl, went about 10 years ago now. They pick you up in Kiev. They transport you two hours to Chernobyl, basically to Pripyat, and you get to hang out uh, with the big catfish. You get to walk around in the Baden city. I walk through hospitals, schools. The one thing they told me not to do is go into the cinema but i'm not going to go to chernobyl without going to the cinema so uh, i went into the cinema and i realized why they didn't want me to go inside it is because there's metal everywhere and metal kind of holds on to that radioactivity for a lot longer so i had my geiger counter and i walked through the cinema with all the old posters etc walked through screen one and out the fire exit then caught up with the group and a good time was had by all i will never have kids that's this week's one minute movie review. Thanks. Well done, Jed. Wise words, unless the audio you dropped in contained something offensive. Um, <laughs> so, uh, there's a fun bit there about Kirsty Allsop as well, another Kirsty Allsop name check, uh, talking about how she likes to reprimand workers whose tea breaks overrun. Classic Allsop. Remember, she's always angry and verging on violence. That's what we've learned. Uh, is it time to talk about Trump containment? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Alan is trying to hold in a fart, I guess, while he's still hiding in the cupboard, because, as he says, a fart can spell death. <laughs> <laughs> and that uh, can be because of the sound or because of the smell that it can give you away, basically. Yeah, his two methods are either to eke it out gently and hope that it doesn't turn into a whistle, uh, <laughs> or to try and 
time to coincide it with a truck going by, I think he says, and just blast it all out <laughs> yeah. in one go. Yeah. And, and, oh, and also, I think to keep it here, he says that the SAS teach Trump containment. So they, those are methods that he's learned from the SAS, I think he's trying to say. Brilliant. Um, and then he's discovered by the child, isn't he? To which he says, I'm just a man in a cupboard. Go away, please. Yeah. And he's like, are you a ghost? What? <laughs> oh, yeah, because yeah, the, so boys, the boys in period costume, isn't yeah. he? So Alan, Alan gets very confused. <laughs> but yeah, and I like this. You know, he, there's, it's almost like there's a glimmer of hope that Alan thinks somehow he's achieved real time travel. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a ghost? What, what year is it? He asks him. And he's like, what? Well, the real year? 2022. Like that. Yeah, that, that's very fun. And then uh, yeah, through this child, through this child, basically uh, soliciting money from Alan to, to keep quiet. Or doesn't he get he gets twenty quid to keep quiet about the fact that that Alan's in the, the cupboard, yeah, yeah. and then a further ten pounds to keep quiet about being yeah. given the twenty pounds, which yes. I thought was a great bit of entrepreneurial spirit there. Yeah, and of course the the irony being, well, we've all heard about it on the podcast, so Alan has wasted his money. Yeah, <laughs> and and then of course and then of course the reveal that Alan has had some. Uh, I don't know, would you say low-level cosmetic surgery here? He's had his chin stapled? Chin tuck, yeah. Chin tuck. I mean, speaking of wasting money. Um, <laughs> yeah, hence the parking space uh, issue we heard about at the top of the episode. Oh, parking. Uh, Nick, you've, you could probably talk about parking, couldn't you? Uh, yes, I've got some notes uh, here on parking. So do Tynum facts, facts about Tynum. <laughs> Tynum is... Or, or do we need to wrap this up and move on to the next episode? I don't know. Uh, do we have time? I'm not sure we've got time. <laughs> okay. There's always time for parking. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try and squeeze this into about five minutes. Um, just to say <laughs> that uh, the parking at Tynum is vast, um, but it is pay and display. And as of 2021, it was coins and uh, cash only. There was no card payment options. So uh, essentially, do come with coins. Wow, you can't pay on card. What do they think it is? 1943. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, so yes, Alan has uh, had his chin under chin turkey wattle attacked <laughs> medically. Um, he says he did it to boost his confidence. I thought uh, the irony of him saying that while he's hiding in a cupboard uh, didn't escape me. I thought that was good fun. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as I said, he pays the kid twenty quid to keep it a secret and a further ten pounds to be keep keep quiet about the twenty pounds. Um, and uh, well, it could and keep that, on going on forever, basically, couldn't mm, it? Yeah, yeah, just diminishing returns until he's down to pennies. Um, but yeah, that's I think that's that's all I had on that. Episode. Anything from anyone else about Timer? Uh, I just wanted to add that I think this is the weakest episode of the series so far, and I would actually argue, spoiler alert, is probably the weakest episode of the entire series. Oh, I'm not sure about that. Um, I think the flight tip one I'm... was not not that great, to be honest. Mm. I'm yet to finish the whole series, but I I would agree that we're in we're in a weak bit of the run um, mm. on for the, yeah. this episode and and uh, yeah <laughs> and those coming up so strap in <laughs> so stay tuned. <laughs> mm, I would very much disagree with that. I think the ne- anyway we'll get to it. Yeah, I I, th- I think yeah. I, I would agree with you, Tom. I think weakest so far. Not sure if it's weakest overall. But Fair enough. Yeah. Maybe we'll try. Should we try and do a bit of a summary when we do the wrap up? Perhaps what our best and worst episodes are. Maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Uh, so let's rattle on indeed then to episode six or chapter six, Wild Swimming. Uh, Tom Dark has the synopsis for this one. Thanks. Yes. So the synopsis is, although not a Guardian columnist, Alan goes wild swimming and talks about it at length. <laughs> I, I, think my, I think my favourite synopsis of the series, that one. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the moment I even saw there was an episode called Wild Swimming, I just knew that it was... There's the, the, the running gag about The Guardian writing about wild swimming because that's actually such a well-worn kind of... I don't know, like internet based gag these days I've, I've seen that being the joke many many times yeah and yeah. I, I think the Guardian don't do themselves any favours uh, they, they there was a recent issue of Guardian Weekend magazine that just has sort of a hundred tips for a happier life and some of them are so inane some of them are factually inaccurate as well but some of them are so inane um, it is the equivalent of just rambling on about wild swimming they also had a guide a few years ago I remember to uh, making the most of nature uh, and one of their tips which I think had two pages devoted to it was about the joy of of leaning on a gate. <laughs> so, I mean, at very Alan so, adjacent, that. That's very true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's a it's a clean kill in terms of him uh, accusing yeah. the Guardian of of waffling on about nature in inane ways. That, I mean, that is the good thing to note. So obviously, we know the Gibbons are are pretty um, left leaning, but they will lambast the left as much as well. Maybe not as much as they lambast the right, but they do give the left a bit of a kicking as well when it needs to. 
Yeah, it's hard to describe it. But ultimately, the thing is, it makes sense that Alan would also be bashing the Guardian. So yeah, they, yeah. they've got to yeah. do that. Yeah. I, I do just think, I think as well, like, you know, you can hate the Daily Mail, etc. But I think the Guardian is ripe for ridicule. Yeah. more than a lot like for example <laughs> i wrote to the guardian once because um thomasina myers had a bit in their food magazine and her recipe each week was called the quick fix i could count on the fingers of one hand the number of times that recipe took less than three hours to cook and prepare <laughs> so, so i wrote in i wrote in and was like what's going on uh two weeks later they changed the name of the column um also <laughs> my my partner and I play a running a running uh, contest each week to work out whether Grace Dent will have gone all the way to London or all the way to Cumbria to review a restaurant, i.e. the two places that she has homes. Uh, the only review I've ever seen her do that isn't in one of those places was her saying, the food here is incredible, I just wish it was closer to London or Cumbria. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, That's national restaurant critic Grace Dent. I think, can we assume perhaps a monkey tennis listener? I think she does follow us on Twitter, so make of that what you will. So, yeah, Grace, if you're listening, uh, do uh, drop us a line. <laughs> Hi. Th- 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 thanks for listening, but please do cover more of the country when reviewing restaurants. I can't stress that enough. I think that's fair. Um, all right, this episode, we've got a cold open with Alan. We basically get nearly 20 seconds of Alan nearly drowning. Uh, I've tried to transcribe what he says. Did anybody else have a go at that? Because if not, I'll, I'll talk. No, I, I, I can okay. make it out. Okay, so I think you get this. So you obviously you can hear Alan splashing around in water. He says, oh my God, someone help me, please. My foot is caught in something. Please, a man, a man or a big strong lady. I'm going to die. Fucking hell, I don't want to die. And then it comes back to the voiceover. This is me two days ago. Um, but yeah, the highlight for that being, please, a man, a man or a big strong lady. <laughs> I absolutely love this uh, this doing of Netflix and the way that they order their documentaries to, to lure people in as well. It's the equivalent of clickbait, isn't it, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's an absolute, it's a very, very astute observation, isn't it? Um, so, it is, yeah. actually. Uh, I think he says, due to Netflix, we know that people don't like it if you start at the beginning. They like it if you play an exciting bit from the end, then go back to the beginning afterwards. It's like, yep, yeah, very true. <laughs> um, oh, but he does then stress uh, that if you're worried that he might be dead, Good, you should be. Yeah, because he might <laughs> because he might be. And he also uh, spoils the film Sunset Boulevard, which I had on my list of films to watch and has now been ruined. So thanks. Oh. You can still watch uh, it; it's very good. Yeah. Uh, shortly after that, he's onto uh, his favourite onomatopoeic words. Uh, so a, a subtle throwback here by saying "bang crash," but crucially not following it with "wallop." What I video. was expecting and slightly yeah. disappointed not to get a wallop, to be honest. And again, that's kind of what I was talking about in terms of haunting air, haunting quality, uh, bang crash, bang crash wallop, uh, or bang crash, what, what we actually get is, instead of crash bang wallop, we get bang crash piss wobble. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, they, they know what they're doing. They, they yeah. know when they're... they're, they're yeah, 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 it's, yeah, it's like the Dan thing, isn't it, from the, yeah. um, from, uh, I think it's episode three. Um, so yeah, very, very knowing and uh, very much kind of a nod and a wink uh, to some of those previous references quick question about onomatopoeic words so i would say splishing sploshing bang crash piss wobble cough bark yes all onomatopoeic i wasn't convinced do cacophony and crescendo count as onomatopoeic crescendo i think does because they're words about sound but yeah i don't know if technically they're words that sound like the action they are describing because a cacophony or a crescendo there isn't a definitive sound to that i i also think piss is a bit of a gray area actually that's a fair point yeah <laughs> or a yellow one well let's yeah let's hope let's hope yours isn't gray but 
uh, yeah, I think, I, and I, I think, do you think that is part of the joke that some of these are officially wouldn't count as onomatopoeic, but uh, still a lot of fun, isn't it? Um, so he's going wild swimming, the new name for swimming outside or swimming. <laughs> yeah, love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, he's been inspired by Wim Hof of Wim Hof, who says uh, he is so tough he can swim in water much colder than anyone else, which, as we know, is the only barometer for toughness. Question to the group: Has anyone actually been wild swimming? Or swimming. Well, we've all been swimming. Has anyone been wild I mean, swimming? Yeah, to a degree. I mean, it's it, it's it's outdoors and it's cold and it's in the wild, but it's also somewhere that a, a swimming club go regularly and they've built steps into the water. So right. does it count? I don't know. Well, that's that's the thing. What's the yeah. definition? Like, I've, does... I've swam in the sea, I've swam yeah. in lakes, I've swam in rivers. Yeah, 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 like, fair. So, yeah, but I would just call it swimming. Swimming. Can, yeah, can... fair enough. Can can we focus uh, our attention for a minute on Nicky Campbell being thrown in a river by his family? That, that, that's that's the best bit of that line as well. The idea that Nicky Campbell's family throw him in the river. Yeah, that is good. And it's not even yeah. it's not even the ticks in the folds of his groin or the giant leeches on his back. It was just the idea that his family have thrown him in the river. Um, th- there is actually quite a large partridge bombshell here. Um, I don't know if any of you guys made a note of this, but he talks about Lynn's baptism. Now, there's quite a big reason why what he says is incorrect. We actually see Lynn's baptism happen on screen at the end of I'm Alan Partridge series two. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if there's... Can you be baptised twice? Maybe can yeah. you... I, I mean, Lynn probably I, can. I yeah. feel like she'd do, it, she'd do it twice daily if she could get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I just thought that was interesting because it's like, mm. is that Alan like misremembering? Is that Alan just being the unreliable narrator that we know he is? Um... <laughs> Yeah. Or is it them just just not caring and thinking, all right, that Lynn's been baptized it, in the river, knowing full well that she's been baptized already in the show? Yeah, or yeah, yeah, equally doing it just to annoy fans at notice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we did notice, yeah. and we are annoyed. Job done. <laughs> um, a couple of other bits around uh, around Alan's sort of uh, introduction to wild swimming or, or his attitudes. Um, he says of of Wim Hof, Hof actually believes it has benefits, which I thought was quite fun. <laughs> it's kind of like in uh, in previous Alan where he said, "Guys, that was actually good." I want to <laughs> say that was good. Um, he also says that rivers hold negative connotations for him. I thought surely this is a reference to having a cow dropped on him at the uh, Hamilton's <laughs> water break shoot. Uh, although oh, yes. I guess it's a canal yes. rather than a river, but yeah, still. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yes, as he says, uh, as we said at the top of the episode, for some people, mental health has nothing to do with how big your house is. <laughs> well, so yeah, that's the bait. ultimate bar- barometer of, of not only success, but also what he thinks can qualify as good mental health. If he's got yes. a large house, everything's yes. fine. Yes. But he is in a bit of a funk, isn't he? Um, despite the fact it's been a good week. Has anyone picked up on the things that have been uh, good for Alan that week, but haven't been able to uh, help him feel any better about himself? I, I think Go I've on. got it, yeah. I think it's so he wasn't charged for an expensive pate starter. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's reunited a pair of cool trainers that have been separated for a year. Don't really understand what's going on there. Um, uh, he also, uh, I would say, just had some successful flirtations with a woman in a shop. Yep. And a female celebrity he disliked has missed out on a work opportunity that she'd already been gloating about. All good, good news. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the list, right? Do we reckon all sop um, again? <laughs> well, I think Quite he likes all sop. I think they're friends. Oh, aren't yeah, they? So good point. It wouldn't yeah, be yeah. that. Yeah, could yeah. be Sue Cook. Uh, 
he talks a bit about how he manages to identify that he's feeling bad and he's in a funk, uh, which is a, a, a sort of a throwback to Iron Man and Partridge as well. He says that uh, he knows he's in a funk when he's got no clean mug and no motivation to wash one. <laughs> he will drink from a gravy boat, which I thought is designed to just flick the muscle memory of people remembering Jed Maxwell having a cup of tea out of an area later in Iron Man and Partridge Series 2. Um, oh, the throwbacks are coming at us thick and fast, aren't they? And can we also just highlight his morning routine if he's in a good mood, he jogs downstairs like a game show host and slides across the kitchen floor and on a good day he can achieve up to two metres. <laughs> Genuinely impressive. Yeah, that's good stuff. Can we take a second to talk about the effect of cold water on Alan's penis? <laughs> <laughs> I'd expect us to talk about nothing else. Um, he's relatively candid about this. He says, my willy's gone absolutely tiny. If it was a Tolkien character, it would have gone from cocksure bag ends to winkle walnut. <laughs> <laughs> he, he also says that his teeth are chattering like Wally Banter. I didn't really know what that meant, to be honest. Wally Banter is uh, one of his co-hosts at North Norfolk Digital. Well, I know who Wally yeah. Banter is, but what's the teeth chattering reference? I think he just means that Wally Banter, like, rabbits on in his show. Like, okay. he chatters, right. uh, I presume. Okay, yeah, yeah that makes sense. What that, what that meant. Uh, is it time for more Alan facts? Facts about Alan? <laughs> Go on. Well, I think this is... Uh, I, I like this sort of I think I'm going to almost critique it rather than just regurgitate what it is so I think this Alan Facts Facts About Alan sting has the potential to be funny but I actually don't think what they've chosen to sort of put in here is overly funny so like the beard thing in I guess it's episode 2 or something didn't think was that great and this is about dating uh, dental uh, hygienists dental hygienist, yeah. Alan has dated uh, too you know they have good teeth a nice smart uniform and all the rest of it as I I think there's some I think there is some potential for uh, funny facts but I didn't find this particularly funny basically it, it feels a bit like it's almost these are discarded micro ideas they had which they couldn't expand into kind of bigger scenes or kind of plot devices and episodes because yeah mm. n- none of the none of these I mean obviously part of the joke is that the Alan facts transpire to not really be fact at all they're, yeah, they're just like that's some fine. um some li- some sh- small observations or kind of life experiences uh but yeah i i agree they they could have they could have made more of this basically yeah um back to the wild swimming i thought there was quite a lot to unpack when he talks about uh, swimming in the middle lane of the river um namely that obviously his only reference point for swimming is swimming pools we know that he came to swimming quite late in life and was uh, something of a, a novice until recently um and also even in the case of wild swimming he's keen to show that he's not in the slow lane even though obviously in a river all the water's moving at the same speed <laughs> yeah i think that's just quite typical of alan he's always got to try to I guess position himself to to be the best at whatever he's doing, uh, even if it doesn't actually make any sense. Uh, we do get some uh, practical uh, wild swimming advice from Alan here to do with swans. Did anybody make a note of this? Um, well, only that you should uh, never stare down a swan, um, which I think is 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 wise advice. Fair, Le- fair. Leave them, leave them be. Just just don't get involved. Just just walk yeah, we- away. You don't want to end man. up like um. You don't want to end up like Gavin Esler and have to take a swan's life. I think that's that's crucially the take. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Are we, are we up to Alan's uh, altercation with the landowner? Yeah, with his laminated yeah. summary of outdoor swimming rights. Genuinely, these exchanges are the highlights of the series so far for me. I would agree. Really enjoyed. Mm. Really enjoyed the back and forth. Really enjoyed Alan somewhat getting the upper hand, and even as you get, you sort of get the joy of seeing Alan get the upper hand, but knowing. 
there's going to come a point where he's going to have to leave the water, so he's going to get his comeuppance. But um, yeah, especially the bit where she's like, well, just be as quick as you can. And he replies, or as slow as I like. Yeah, yeah. Um, just, just, yeah, there are some great lines in here. It's like, it's fine not to know. And he's yeah. being really, like, really arsy. Like, if I accidentally yeah. pick up a tent, I'll send it your way. Yeah. I enjoyed that. You're a little bit annoyed to have made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> I did enjoy uh, your wrong with a capital R as well. Uh, I thought that, that, that was nice seeing, seeing him undo his own argument. Um, could you perhaps talk about uh, dangers that can be encountered upon the river next? Because this is something I particularly want to dig into. That um, Alan lists uh, river peril um, because he's entering some of the, about to enter some of the most lethal waterways in the country. Uh, I was keen to find out what would uh, scare Nick the most because we know that uh, Nick is probably the most uh, fearful of water out of the group. Always have to clear this up though. It's not fearful of water. It's fearful of what lives in the water. Yeah, hence we need to get into the list. So, okay, so actually, just a quick, quick question. Actually, what's worse, sea or like? Uh, I, I wild kind of think river. I kind river. of think river, river because, is because river's smaller and there's going to be reeds and weeds in it and river fish, whereas the sea is massive. So I think yeah, but the they can have safer. more massive fish and quaddies in it. Yeah, you're not going to get a quaddy in the river. You're going to get a quaddy in the sea. I, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going river. I think the river is scarier. Okay. River is, All right, river so is Alan lists seven, uh, I guess, items of peril. Uh, let's go through these, and and then you can let us know which one okay. you find most terrifying. Okay, you've got tangled river reeds, flies, twigs, <laughs> thick mud, water boatmen, miscellaneous detritus, and uh, last of all, fish. Uh, what is Nick most scared about on that list? I don't like reeds because I think it might be a jellyfish or something like that. And I don't like mud. A jellyfish a jellyfish. Yeah. (laughs) Well-known animal. I don't like mud because it reminds me of the time that I had to walk in Malaysia on mud and there was crabs in the water. I didn't like it. And I don't like fish because they will peck and eat you. And I don't no, they like won't. it. No, they won't. They won't peck or eat you. No, you're fine. A piranha, a piranha they will, ju- will eat you. Yes. Uh, yes. Right. right. Okay. So, not... a, if right. a stone, if you tread piranhas on a stone in the fish, river ooze, are there piranhas if... in the river ooze? I don't know. I haven't been. There could um, be pike though, and they do have big sharp teeth. Yeah. Yes. But big, as soon teeth. as you, as soon as you go anywhere near the water, they are swimming away. Immediately. They are pack hunters. And they, <laughs> they, are, they are coming for you. Are you imagining basically you'll like put a leg into the water and then they'll be like, and then you'll bring it out and it'll it, just be bone. I've and that's in the river ooze as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, but you only watched. see happening cartoons and horror films. Yeah, you see because the, because the real irony here is when Nick puts his leg in the water to fish, that looks like a pint glass full of delicious milk. There it is. There it is. Um, so is fish the answer, or is it, I feel like you're, you're focusing on reeds, mud, or fish? It's those, those three. The, that's that's okay. gold, silver, bronze. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay so your flies, twigs, uh, water boatmen, and miscellaneous detritus is all fine. Well, it's not. Um, I don't like. It's not much fine. Of okay. that. I don't like the miscellaneous detritus either because that could be anything <laughs> i'd like to talk about alan's warmth um he claims that he's warm because he's wearing a triathlon swimming hat uh i don't believe that he's got a wetsuit on so he's relying solely on this hat to keep him warm um he said he was going to use goose fat so he, he liked the idea of using goose fat but um but he couldn't for fear of seldom eating him back in the day yeah. 
and he would, with no exaggeration, have eaten me if I had done that. <laughs> um, but he he tees up a bombshell here with that, mm. which is that he has a new dog, uh, but crucially one that ignores him. Uh, notable for a few reasons. Firstly, because he's got a new dog, and that's always important. But also, as we'll come on to in a future episode, I think he somewhat contradicts himself on this point. I think there might be a bit of a continuity error. I mean, here, somewhat. We'll I mean, it. it's all over the shop here, really. If if we're yeah, I I find it a bit I find it a bit weird that this has made it through the quality control. To be honest, it's literally the next episode um, yeah. when he talks about he's not ready to get a new dog. So this is feels like, yeah, have they just made a balls up and literally put these two episodes in the wrong order? Or do they explain it away by saying that basically he's got this dog, the dog ignores him, it's no seldom, so he's just jettisoned that dog by the next episode and, and realised he's not ready for a new dog? I mean, contextually, that isn't how it transpires no. in the next episode he's basically saying that he misses seldom so much he isn't ready to get a new dog so yeah, yeah i mean I, I think this is either this is a genuine mistake and these have gone out in the wrong order or there's a decision between uh coogan and the gibbons where they don't really care what all of these episodes are in like there's mm. no way that they aren't aware of this bit of script being in episode six and that bit of script being in episode seven i think they either it's either a mistake that has somehow got through the audible upload process or they just don't don't care, surely. Yeah, I, well, I, I yeah, I wonder if it's yeah they've moved the episodes round and they just they haven't gone back to check since yeah. check this bit. Yeah, because perhaps you know perhaps they think that these episodes make more <clears throat> kind of narrative sense, mm, and it's literally mm. like you've got these two opposing lines, which over like 20, 24 minute episodes, they've gone, oh, we can just let that one go. Yeah. So just as the Gibbons have got themselves tangled in a narrative issue, Alan has also tangled himself in the reads that terrify Nick. Um, I did think this sort of, again, you know, having these episodes in the order they're in, this is a little bit similar, too similar to potholing in that he's gone out to do a little thing in nature and got himself into trouble. Uh, unexpectedly um, the rest of the episode is different enough but I just thought it's quite a similar narrative conceit yeah, to what we had t- mm. two episodes ago you know 40 minutes ago if you're listening all the way through and he's never he's never he doesn't mention you know swimming in his um, in his bucket list and yet it, it is a relatively I wouldn't say extreme but it is an unusual pursuit um, that you would file under something like a potholing um, and as you say, narratively, mm, I don't know. It's only swimming. I think for you, it's an unusual pursuit. I think I still think know. it's a bit odd to go river swimming. It's not something that everyone does. But also, even if you even if you forget that, narratively, the arc is very similar. Yeah, that's true. Mm. That's true. Mm. I mean, yeah. I mean, you you've certainly got him reaching a state of panic. But I, I think the key difference is uh, in this episode that panicking is an effective and rapid way to assess danger and consider options. In the potholing episode, when he panics. He just falls asleep. Yeah, um, it's 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 another one of Nick's favourite moments, isn't it? Where you hear him panicking in the river, and then the reassuring Alan voiceover mm. with mm. Some, with with some hindsight comes in to tell you about how panicking is actually the right thing to do, and you can and I quote, "panic yourself, escape." Okay, so I had some observations on this kind of segment, and I think it's hard to explain exactly why, but for me. The, the bit of voiceover talking about panicking, uh, saying it's effective in a rapid way, blah, blah, blah. That, to me, just felt... I could almost imagine, I don't know, like a uh, day-to-day or brass-eye type kind of Ted Maul type voiceover d- doing that. It just mm. it just put me in mind of that. And then, furthermore, when his life is flashing before his eyes, because that bit is so kind of surreal and goes into so many like weird places, that, to me, felt like almost something you'd see on something like the Armando Unici shows. Uh, I can't remember if we've really discussed that in any length um, and if, if all four of us have seen it, but 
that show took some very weird surreal tangents and it just again it for some reason it really reminded me of that in places it's hard to tie down exactly why but that's just where my mind went yeah i i i I also would add to that that we obviously get um i guess we've heard this before but cementing the fact that michael is dead and drowned in water uh Mm -hmm. i also uh, enjoyed uh, that he <laughs> sees himself paddleboarding with Lorraine, which is something he didn't actually ever do. But just, just a great, just a great image seeing him paddleboarding with Lorraine. <laughs> um, in fact, a lot of his uh, life flashing before his eyes is transport related, isn't it? Yeah. So there's paddleboarding with Lorraine. Um, there's the uh, the sort of parallels between uh, purgatory being an easy jet departure lounge and good deeds being the equivalent of spiritual uh, easy boarding, um, speedy boarding. Sorry. Um, as he sees the light, he also somehow gets a preview of the Elizabeth line. This, um, this yeah. bit made almost no sense. I was like, what? I was sort of writing this down. It's basically just... like a fever dream, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and then also, and, and you also get. flying, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> you also get backing music creeping in here for the first time yeah. in the series as well. Um, a bit like yeah. the, the canned laughter earlier in the series where it sort of just appears out of nowhere. Yeah, I guess that's Nathan adding some audio flair because uh, you get that when he's reading uh, the bit from his novel in episode two that they oh, put yeah. some sound effects in um I, th- I think you guys missed out driving a jcb which was the best day of his life mm-hmm. as well um because he wants to drive the digger um a couple of bits as well i thought the crossrail thing because it's basically all about technical info it's a bit like the the dab gag in i think it's just like giving the, the, the yeah giving like the full technical explanation of something which doesn't matter and uh my other note in this bit was i would have actually I would have assumed that limbo and purgatory were essentially the same thing, but uh, actually doing a bit of research, like they are, they are seen as different things, which I, I didn't realise. Probably won't get bogged down into the whole religious iconography of that, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, we're, we're learning things. Um, so uh, after his trauma, he's uh, of course fallen asleep again, as he tends to do after a good panic. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I he where well, he's sort of nodding off, getting tired more often now as well. He is just an older gentleman. Let's not forget, but um, it is his his response to panic. Um, and of course, uh, for him to escape this, there's only one way out, and that's via the privately owned riverbank. <laughs> so the permission lady is back. Um, really enjoyed this, where he sort of changes tack and passively aggressively just tries to dismiss her concerns as being like, you know, it, 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 it's there's no sense of perspective there given that he's just drowned, that she shouldn't even be bothering him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I also think, uh, pedantry aside, he was on her land. So, you know, what's she going to do? Yeah. Um, he, she's also only asking for him to, you know, politely ask permission. She's yeah. not trying to charge him yeah, or yeah, arrest exactly. him or anything. Um, but as he says, uh, in terms of uh, his newfound perspective, as Benjamin Franklin says, the only things that are inevitable are death and taxes. Uh, Alan only fears taxes now, but uh, with Gary Barlow. It's, <laughs> yeah. No, what is it? Alan doesn't fear death anymore. Gary Barlow, it's the other way around. <laughs> That's right, yes. Um, and off the back of uh, Gary Barlow and his uh, the, this tax avoidance gag, I've lined up a little game for us to uh, probably close the episode. Ooh, I love games. Okay, everybody, eyes down, look in. Are you ready to play the celebrity tax avoidance game? Yay! Yes. Jed, cue the music. Can I reap my answers via the Cayman Islands? <laughs> uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, the, the winner can uh, get a uh, free bank account, uh, offshore bank account in the Cayman Islands. There you go. Uh, I'll, I'll put a pound in it and then uh, the rest is up to you. <laughs> 
So yeah, what we're going to do here, this is going to uh, take the form of higher or lower. So to be honest, it's up to you if you want to do this collectively as a group or when you, whether you want to do this versus, I'm not sure. Well, um, I think uh, a group approach is the yep, easiest. Yeah, much easier. Okay. Do we, it, do we also want to cover ourselves by saying that all of the following is alleged? Uh, I mean, this is all going to be about basically what they've been ordered to pay by the courts, which is oh, available okay. online. So, so. It's, all, it's all been proven. Please direct any inquiries to Tom Dark. <laughs> I mean, it's all on the internet, so yeah, just it must be true. It's all, it's, it's all on the internet, and who would put lies on exactly. the internet? What sort of a person would do that? Exactly. All right, so I'm going to set the scene for you here. Um, Gary Barlow, in 2014, he was exposed as taking part in, a, in an aggressive tax avoidance scheme along with the rest of Take That and their manager. HMRC ordered them to repay £20 million in June 2016. So, to start this game, round one. So in Jimmy Carr in 2012, an offshore wealth management scheme made headlines a thousand people revealed by the Times have benefited from it, the most prominent being comedian Jimmy Carr. How much was he sheltering in this scheme? Was it higher or lower than 20 million? That's Jimmy Carr, tax avoidance scheme, higher or lower than 20 million. What are we saying as a group? I, w I think we should say lower because I feel like Carr has less of a fortune than Barlow. You'd, you'd hope. Well, not hope. You'd certainly imagine. I, I, I would agree with that logic. Surely lower. So we're saying lower. I think it's sound reasoning. You are correct. Uh, Jimmy Carr was sheltering £3.3 .3 million in uh, that uh, wealth management scheme. Um, but uh, yeah, I believe he paid it all back. So everything's fine now. Um, okay, round two. It's time for Kerry Katona. We're in the big leagues now, guys. L okay. <laughs> well, let me let me set the scene. Hasn't she bankrupt so, um, twice? Kerry Kerry Katona felt well. This is what led to her bankruptcy. You see, ah. Kerry Katona failed to make final payments of her tax bill in two thousand and eight. But how much was it? Was this higher or lower than Jimmy Carr's three point three million? What are we saying? Oh, I think lower, but perhaps not by much. Yeah, I I kind of want to say. You'd assume it's lower. Right, You'd assume it's lower. lower, but I'm worried it's going to be high. Well, I don't know why I'm worried, but um, let's go with lower. Please, don't, don't worry too much. <laughs> I'm not worried. Let's go with lower. Okay, collective answer is lower. You are correct. It was uh, a measly uh, £417,000. So, uh, Got that down the back of the sofa. Come yeah, on, love. Re reasonable in the grand scheme of things. Okay, so you're two for two so far. Uh, we've got two more rounds here and we're going over to the US for these. So what we're going to focus on here, we're focusing on the numbers, not the cash value. Don't worry about exchange rates, conversion rates, particularly at time of recording because they're very much in the bin. So it's just a numerical <laughs> value. Or the trash can. Yeah, very good, very good. Adam's been to America. He knows how they speak. All right, American so things. round three, we are turning to Wesley Snipes. Uh, and I think uh, he's had tax issues more than once actually but we're focusing on just hit the one instant uh in november 2018 uh wesley snipes was ordered by the international revenue service to pay back a sizable sum of taxes uh but was it higher or lower than kerry katona what do you think i mean he's a movie star a-list movie star yeah. hollywood a star a-lister a it's got to be higher so you're saying uh, more than four hundred seventeen thousand? gotta be yeah, you are correct. Uh, 9.5 million. Oh, so, uh, Wesley, yes. you naughty boy. Yeah, I mean, uh, 
I mean, that's yeah. Is he the worst defender in this list? Hard to know because you don't know how all the take that stuff broke down. So again, we won't get bogged down into that. Uh, last round here, you are three for three. It's going to be a landslide, although you're not competing with anybody, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, round four, then Jar Rule, uh, American rap man Jar Rule. In March 2011, rapper Jar Rule, real name Jeffrey Atkins, pled guilty to failing to file tax returns. But how much was it? And was it higher or lower than Wesley Snipes's? tax bill so higher or lower than 9.5 million jar rule what we say i think this is the this is the trickiest one yet definitely i think my gut is to say lower my gut is also to say lower my and we're gonna need and we're gonna need a group consensus on this (laughs) an answer louis my my gut says god i could go for a kit kat now but (laughs) i will go with the group and say lower we're near the end lower. of this episode, so you'll be able to get a Kit Kat any minute. You're going lower. Okay, I am pleased to reveal that you are correct. It's four oh, on four. Well that. done. Yay. You win an offshore bank account in the Cayman Islands with one pound in it. Woohoo! Please make sure it's registered under Adam's shell company name, though. It's a, it's oh, a should shell. we not use uh, Jed's details like we normally do? Oh, oh yeah, God, definitely. No. Yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> that's we'll, a, we'll that's a whole that. other effect. Oh, get mangled as, up soon, as, soon, as soon as that <laughs> happens, Interpol get a red flag and there's yeah. a. <laughs> <laughs> the feds defend descend on us. Uh, what was the what was the amount for um, for Ja Rule? Oh, sorry, yeah, what one point one million. So you oh, know, s- small nothing. change oh, compared to most of these types. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. We'll be doing um, cool. So, not too much else to cover on this episode. Just uh, there's there's a long rambling bit about fish finger sandwiches where it's revealed that the contents of Lynn's fridge are seriously out of date <laughs> uh, to, to the point that she believes that gherkins are new, <laughs> hot, on, hot on the market. <laughs> yeah, she has no, she doesn't know what they are. I w- was also going to say I did think um, Alan's uh, bit grand to call it a recipe, but Alan's uh, formula mm. for a fish finger bat sounded great. Gherkins, salad cream, twist of lemon. I did switch that. the salad cream yeah. to mayonnaise, but other than that, fine. I've got a bit of a guilty. No. Salad cream's a bit of a guilty no. pleasure for me. I mean, I'd never buy it, but if I see it in one of those little packets it, in uh, it's, Weatherspoons, it's wartime, I'm having... it's wartime food. It's it's wartime. <laughs> it's wartime. Oh, let's, let's not go down this it rabbit was... hole again. Like with your bloody Brunston pickle. Oh yeah. <laughs> look, at, look at the ingredients of salad cream. Oh not. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Right. Okay. Fine. One I'm... salad, two cream. It's fine. I'm looking it. I'm looking it up, and I'll drop it in the group chat. Okay, we veered so far off track. We're about to tip off the edge of the world of the APU here, so it's Salad, time to wrap up this cream week's episode. Ingredients. <laughs> you can get in touch with us: uh, Instagram at Monkey Tennis Pod, Twitter at the Partridge Pod, Facebook.com slash the Partridge Pod, email the Partridge Pod at gmail.com. Uh, drop us a voice note: oh seven ninety three six hundred zero one seven is the Monkey Tennis Hotline, um, and we'll be back next week covering episodes seven and eight namely time travel and Katarina. So uh, until then, from all of us at Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast, thanks, goodbye, and please don't eat salad cream. Nick, if you go and find a Kit Kat, I'll go and find some gherkins. A lovely meal. Hop in.
And I want something in the middle. Aha! Yep, absolutely. Yep, 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 absolutely. Monkey tennis? Bring, bring. There's a new chat in town. I had the last laugh. Dan! Monkey tennis? Little fierce, my foot on his thigh. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. No. Monkey tennis? Radical, awesome, mega. <laughs> Monkey tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. Okay. Monkey tennis? Edmunds is a total wasp of a guy. Yes, 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 and yes. It's hotter than the sun. They said, who the hell is that? Well, this is great banter. Yeah. Back of the net. Monkey tennis? The people who enjoy Alan Partridge will enjoy this podcast. The people who've never got it still won't get it. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.